Hey everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where we hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach, and despite being off for three weeks, four weeks, something we've just kind of found ourselves back where we think we were before we left, which is there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but not a lot of real sort of running fitnessy type things. But as always, this podcast serves as a bit of a memoir of the time to the future generation to talk about the craziness that is just going on right now. Well, it's it. It's interesting that you said that because we, we, to those of you listening, we, we spoke a little bit, Zach and I, before we hit record and, you know, kind of we're learning our lesson not to say too much so that we don't kind of, you know, get rid of the magic of capturing it uh, first. But it was funny because you were speaking, Zach, and I was like, this feels a lot like it did last year when we're kind of in the middle of purgatory a little bit where there's not much going on. But there, you're right, there's a lot going on, but nothing going on. Exactly. There's no big, like we just had the Olympics go. And then after the Olympics happened, there was kind of like what nothing now? really happening. I, uh, we think there has been a couple of world records or a couple of good things done. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure, I think, that someone broke the 24-hour running record i think someone did that um can't tell you who they were or when they did it but go google that i think they did it um and then i was telling you just before we jumped on about a story i read where a guy entered the bristol half marathon over in the uk um and won the bristol half marathon which is a bit of a surprise to him because he thought he was running the 10k yeah and like i i i I, that's just surprising to me because like i said you are if you enter a 10k eventually you're going to think Gee, where's the finish line? This is going yeah. longer than it normally does. <laughs> or you know what it's like when you go to register for a race with the bibs and the lineups and all mm. that sort of stuff? There tends to be a lot of things telling you what race you're in and what mm. bib you're wearing and where you should be going. And it's um, like the, 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 the signage on the courses are generally pretty well marked. Like, yeah. you know, uh, 10K this way, half marathon this way. It's kind of like it's kind of hard to miss. You have to go out of your way, I think, to, uh, to, to really get that wrong if mm. you have entered one race to go finish another race. Um, the irony of this poor gentleman I read about was he won the half marathon by a couple of minutes and then was disqualified really because he, he hadn't entered the right race. I mean, I'd say nobody could take that away from him, but they did take that away from him. So <laughs> Absolutely. There was actually there was actually another uh, incident that comes into my head right now that I was reading about um, where there was a trail race here in Australia and they had, it was, it's, this is simplifying it greatly, but mm. it was an out and back course. Yep. But at one point where they were kind of at the furthest end, what was described as an enthusiastic but incorrect spectator started telling everyone that this wasn't actually the course and you needed to go do something else and was so convincing that the people running the aid station on the actual event believed them. What was he and doing I, it on purpose? Like just no, a jerk? No, he was, oh. he, he was, or they, I don't know if it was a he or a she, but they were just so convinced that the course needed to go in this direction Bummer. that they convinced the aid station people, they convinced the first lot of runners. Um, and it was only later um, in the race after the first really fast people had gone through that they realized that, oh, actually, this was the incorrect thing. And what it meant was for a 52-kilometer race, a whole bunch of people came up short uh. by a couple of kilometers. And so they all got – it was actually really interesting. They were originally going to get a disqualified. Yeah. But then on feedback, they changed it to a DNF because they were like, like – yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like not their fault, though. It's, yeah, um, disqualified has a connotation, which is you did something wrong, whereas yeah. did not finish is, well, you didn't finish the 52Ks because you only ran 50Ks in this instance. What an um, odd number for a race anyway. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, it was quite odd. I mean, well, um, technically it's an even number, but we know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was funny because then there was all the whole bunch of, you know, everyone starts looking at well, what can you do for next year to stop this yeah. from happening and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it happens a lot. There's a lot. There was that other example again over in the UK just recently, which I was telling my wife about where yeah. I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, two people are running a marathon. Okay. This is a joke. Um, no, yeah, two, two men walk into a bar and decide <laughs> to run a marathon. No, two, two men are running a marathon and they're running, running, running. And at the end of the race, with 200 metres to go, the person who was in second place overtakes the person who was in first place and wins. Mm. They then find out that the race was actually 500 metres too long. Who won? Oh. 
And that was something else I've been reading uh, on social media over the last couple of weeks about these. Firstly, people just can't measure shit right now. I think that's problem number one. Even the people running the race don't know what they're doing. COVID um, yeah. But but then, yeah, what's the, what's the ethics of that? Of people who are sent the wrong way but yeah. don't actually complete the race distance, of people who run a different race distance, how would you I treat guess it? I would say, okay, if it if these people are running it competitively and they're trying to place, and I guess this goes back to what we've sort of spoken about in a few different episodes, but if they're running competitively and they're trying to place, I think, yeah, DNF is probably, like if they're running competitively, the kind of onus is on them to have studied the course to know mm. which way to go. I'm, do you know what I mean? Like, but if it's not, especially on an ultra, on an yeah, ultra, there's exactly. so like, much prep before ultra the racers sure. really study those courses. Um, if it's if it's kind of like not competitive and they're just recreational runners just doing this, I'd be like, look, you've run fifty k, because obviously they would have come to an end of something. Yeah, they eventually crossed the finish line. Right. When they crossed the finish line, a whole bunch of people were rocking up going, I thought this was a 52K race. I've only just done 50. Right. And, and so then they worked out what had happened. I would, as the race organizer, be like, all right, well, it is a 52-kilometer course, course race. What's going on? Then figure out what happened. And the, all right, well, this guy's obviously telling you the wrong thing. Go run a kilometer that way yeah. <laughs> and then run a kilometer back. Well, and we'll give you they, your medal. That's what they did at Werribee Mansion a couple of years ago. Remember, yeah. they had the uh, again a volunteer organizer, and you know, God bless these people that put their times in to help these events run. Mm. But they forgot to send the people on a lap, yes. and so all these people running this half marathon turned up and went, "That's interesting. I'm at twenty k's. Well, I I'm missing a kilometer." Yeah, I think it's just like you know what, just as long as they get to di the distance, because it's not like it's it's like the Barkley marathons, right, where it's like a specific course that you're running. It's kind of like a, most of these. Yes, of course, you're running a specific course, but most of these things are like just distances, right? It's like you yeah. got to get the distance and you get your, your blink. And so if you've already done 50K, just let them do another two. They were prepared to do it anyway, so they lose 10 minutes off their time. Who gives a, you know, yeah. rather than giving them a DNF? Because I feel like if I've done 50K and I've been sent the wrong way and I didn't do the 52, and now I have a DNF for this race that I was supposed to say, hey, this is added to my collection, I'd be pissed. I'd be, it's like, really pissed off. Yeah. It's actually pretty interesting because they found out before the people had finished that they hadn't done, like, that, that there had been a problem. So let's say the first 25 people past this particular aid station got sent the wrong way, and yeah. now suddenly they're going to finish two kilometres short. Well, they knew that. Um, as they were turning up. Yeah. So why didn't they, as you said, have a plan A, which was, mm. hey, everyone that, you know, is coming ahead, check your Strava. Because let's be honest, all of these people running these events, they know exactly how far they've gone. Yeah, they've like, got their watch Nobody right who does an ultra marathon today doesn't have one of these. Correct. So they should be rocking up and it should be, hey, at the aid station, did you go this way? Yes, I did. Well, that, that's exactly what, right. Easy yeah. fix. Easy and then, fix. okay, mate, you got to go run the oval three times. Yeah. You know, and then everyone's um, sweet, everyone's hunky. It, it does seem a little bit disorganized and chaotic um, yeah. because probably we're so out of practice of doing actual races these days. I think so. I think <laughs> so. I mean, it it's just, it's it's interesting. And I will be interested when I finally do, which I guess uh, <laughs> floats into one of our topics, finally do get to a race and see how it's run compared to how it was run a couple of years ago. Of course, my, my Spartan Ultra, well, both my Spartans for this year have been this, the 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 five k um, does not have a tentative date yet, but the Ooh. Spartan Ultra has now been moved to February twelfth. Right. Um, so that's what. Where are we? October, November, five months away. Right. Uh, as opposed to, uh, it would have been it would have been about a month away today. Uh, last week. I don't know. It's interesting because I mean, I technically I am three weeks away from doing my 105 kilometer run and then doing the Melbourne marathon. But both of those have been moved now. To um, December? Like, Not December, yeah. January, December? No, December. So That's crazy. That's going to be There hot. is no joke. There is like six major races all falling on the same weekend of December. There wow. is the Surf Coast Century. There is the Melbourne marathon. There is the Bright Running Festival. Um, there's a couple of other ones I know for sure are on that weekend of the 10th and 11th of December. And then the weekend before that, no, sorry, the weekend before that is the Yu Yangs 105 
and the Surf Coast Century. So you've got two fairly popular 100-kilometre ultramarathon events on the same weekend, and then a week later you've got Melbourne Marathon conflicting with a whole bunch of other events as well. And, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago in terms of kind of cooling it on the PBs for a little bit, cooling it being the operative (laughs) word, as in operative phrase, rather. You get to – your race gets pushed back now – it's pushed back two months away. So uh, the Southern Hemisphere, us in Australia, that's heading into, that's that's summer now. And our yeah. summers get notoriously hot. So it's like, if you're aiming for a 340 marathon in October weather, which is hit and miss, but generally oh, yeah. we're saying about 20 degrees. Best, oh, I've, I've done October Melbourne marathons that got to 28. 28, yeah, that was my first marathon. a fun day. No. no. Um, but you kind of you kind of hope for anywhere from fifteen to twenty degrees at that yeah. time of year. But it's Melbourne, who knows? But now you're in December, and it's like, well, summer starts first of December. That's right, and yeah. you have, we'll say, for argument's sake, a twenty five percent chance now more of getting a hotter day. And it's like, all right, well, if I've been training, because really you're training for the marathon in uh, Melbourne during winter and and spring, so like. Most of your runs, if you're running in the morning, you're going to be running at a zero to, say, 10 degree yep. training run. Where now, all of a sudden, if you run it and it's a 25, 30 degree day, you've got to play it. Say, like, you don't want to be aiming for, th- you, if you've never run that PB, like, yeah, if you want to aim for it, aim for it. But it's also like cut yourself some slack because if the weather is that different, it's like it adds that whole other uh, layer to it. Whereas, well, I can't really push myself to run a 3:40 marathon because it's not so much my body, physically, but well, yeah, physically because of the heat and hydration, you might not have practiced because you're going to have to hydrate a lot more than you would be used to. Hydration, sun protection, yeah. you know, all of that extra stuff. I know that you know. I learned from my first couple of marathons. I went out to do that Melbourne marathon that was like 28 degrees, which was your first one, mm. and I was still relatively inexperienced as a marathon runner there. And I thought, okay, I'll just go out and go after this time. And I ended up finishing off like 10 whole minutes slower than I expected to be. Even though I was physically fit enough to do the time, the conditions were just so wrong there. And I really, really learned that for events like that where you want to race them and go for a PB, you've got to sort of be able to make a call at the 11th hour, which is the conditions are against me. It's kind of different to an ultramarathon where unless you're like super elite, for an ultramarathon, you're kind of saying, I'm going to come in this range. I'm going to come in between 18 hours and 20 hours. You know, you're not counting five minutes here and 10 minutes there on events like that. But on a marathon, which is it's the difference between a 335 and a 325, Mm. the conditions are enormous factors there. Um, They they are talking about bringing the Melbourne Marathon forward to 6 o'clock in the morning, a 6 o'clock in the morning start versus the normal 7 o'clock in the morning. It's not a 6, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. No, it's always been 7 o'clock in the morning. So now it'll be 6 o'clock in the morning to try and take like an hour of heat out of the day. But that introduces its own challenges now with logistics and people getting to the event and all that sort of stuff. And plus it's December, which depending on what happens with COVID, maybe we've got Christmas yeah. activities going on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as we're speaking about this too, with weather-wise, I just realized what I just said. My ultra Spartan yes. has been moved to f- yeah, yeah. fucking February. See, <laughs> See February is actually worse than yeah. December. Like I'll get some hot days and I'll be like, oh, wow, it's, it's December, it's summer. You're going to know it's summer when it comes to February. You're yeah. going to need to be doing it with one of those hats with the long tail behind it to yeah. protect your neck. Because there's that. like in February, it's not hit and miss. It's it's no. either going to be hot 20, or bloody hot. Yeah, it's either going to be 25, 26 or 37, 38. Yeah. And everything in between. So that's going to suck. But yeah, and you're going to have to train for it through December, January as right, well. Right. Uh, which will help, which is, yeah. which is good. That's going to be. But yeah, so. I mean, I, I guess on that, I've, I've decided because it's now been moved back, uh, it's been moved back four months. Um, I'm going to take about a month, maybe two months off of my long distance yep. running just to give my body a little bit of a break because I was up to, uh, I was up to about 30 kilometers um, and I wanted to get to that 42 kilometer mark, but then it was a With question With how long of, run this is, not per week. This correct, is a long correct. Run. Yeah. This is a long yeah. run. Uh, and, you know, now that we are... You know, we were in a place where we couldn't be outside for more than two hours. So I was like, I'm not going to do 30 kilometers outside and then 12 kilometers on the treadmill. It's just, it's not going to be, mm. 
So I just got up to that 30 kilometer mark and I did that a couple times or 29, 30 kilometer mark. And I'm listening. I'm just like, not well, there's not really a point to do it now because it's just going to put my body through unnecessary stress when I can just focus on keeping the engine going, do some shorter, faster things just to focus on my form. I'll probably still do a long, well, not a long run every week, but like a, just a slow, easy, like maybe 60 to 80 minutes, 90 minutes, probably not even that long. Um, And then I'll, I'll probably start building up. I would say probably around beginning November, I'll start building up my miles again and I'll start, I will say probably my long runs at the 16 kilometer mark at that point. Jump straight in there again. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's a safe, it's, it's a safe thing. Well, if you're doing 80 minutes to 90 minutes of that's your long run for the next six weeks or so, you'll be surprised at how fast you'll probably get, where you'll probably be going 14, 15 kilometres in that hour and a half. Um, Yeah, that's a good point. So you have to sort of, you know, this is what we always say to listeners, assess, reassess, adjust, be Mm. agile, forgive yourself, but also know when you can give yourself a little bit of a push as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Because I guess guess that makes sense, because I guess my long runs in the next few few weeks, month and a half, I would like to do somewhere between... I was thinking anywhere between eight and twelve kilometers. Yeah, not terribly long, kind of like mid distance, but keeping the, keeping it, uh, slow but not too slow. Whereas my aerobic system still working, but my anaerobic system kind of stays out of it. Um, yeah. But on my shorter distances, I'll probably work on that system a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm not going to be. I don't think I'm going to push myself so hard that I'm going to try to PB my 5K or 10K again. It's just going to be maybe, so instead of, I don't know, instead of intervals at, you know, three forty-five minute kilometer, I'll just do intervals at like 4.15, 4.30 or something. So just like kind of not speed speed, but not slow and yeah. a little bit faster than moderate, I guess. That's good. That sounds like a good plan. I actually, I introduced this morning for the first time in forever. I went and did some hill repeat intervals. Nice. Um, so sure. I finally... Well, I, this is the whole thing again because we're kind of in lockdown. Yeah. So, um, so start of July, I had my two weeks off with the plantar fasciitis where I did nothing. Yeah. And so, over the last ten weeks or so, I've slowly been rebuilding my base, um, and I'm back up to you know my normal average mileage of you know eighty kilometers a week. Nice. And so now I'm like, right now that I'm doing the eighty kilometers a week fairly easily, now it's time to introduce some intervals work and some speed work because I am slow right now (laughs) i am so slow Mm. um you know i can run forever but it's slow anytime i try and push it you know 15 20 seconds faster than my slow pace at the moment i'm just not getting there just 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 burn out too quickly so i've got to try and bring in some, some some intervals and some tempo to bring some speed back but as you know we've had the restrictions on us lifted from two hours to four hours Mm -hmm. but the distance we can travel has only lifted from five kilometers to 10 kilometers. And where we live, it's still flat yeah. uh, 10 kilometers from here. It doesn't get any hillier. So I've had to go back to Purcell Hill, which is that oh, little hill that we've yeah. spoken about on the podcast before, where we can't remember who it's named after. And we're convinced that there's just like bodies buried under it. Um, I just went and did repeats up and down that this morning. Nice. Um, and I was slow, um, very, very slow to how I've done it in the past, but I've got now. I'm in this interesting situation where the first weekend of December, I've got a 105K race. And then the next weekend, I've got a 42K marathon. And so I'm still kind of got that same training plan I had for when I was going to do Oxfam and Melbourne on the same weekend. I've now got a week between the two events. So if anything, it's even easier than I was planning. So I'm trying to sort of do, this is my plan. I'm going to do like a 12-week marathon run program which Mm -hmm. i've started with the intervals and the tempo work this week and so i'll do a 12-week marathon program but what i'll do is if i do say for instance a three-hour long run on the weekend i'll do that and then i'll stop running but i'll keep walking for the extra hour and so i'll do lots of walking to build up the strength in my legs to be able to do the 105k ultra the week before and then roll off that event hopefully it won't be so hard on my legs i'll have a week to recover and then i'll go do the melbourne marathon and just try to break four hours i think for melbourne i think that would be the plan given the weather and the training and having done 105 the week before yeah. uh, i think you know sub four hours for melbourne would be fine given everything that's happened 
nice. assuming it goes ahead, because to your comment before about what do races look like, mm. the roadmap we saw was like early November, if everyone's vaccinated, you can have 500 people outdoors. We're going to be cutting How does that? How does that turn to 25,000 people a month later? Really like, I don't get it. it. I yeah. don't. Look, uh, I will put, I hate to be this guy, but I'm you going are to, that guy. I am this guy. I, yeah. again, kind of what I said a few months ago, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, if it does, I think, I think the best way for it to happen, and the best way is not a possible way because of just the logistics of everything. Mm. Say you have, what, what did we what did we say for the full marathon? There's what? Five, uh, 8,000 people 8, for 000. the full marathon. Yeah. Okay. You take... Let's ignore all the other events that happen on the weekend. Yeah, let's ignore that. Let's ignore yeah. possible logistics. Let's live in fairy tale land. The best way that this goes ahead is multiple days, multiple weekends. And you, you say, okay, X amount of runners, say bib numbers, blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. You're running this day. Mm. This this mount you're running this week, this day, this day. That's like the only way I can see it happening. But that's also not a possibility. It's not possible. You can't shut you down can't shut Melbourne the thing down. No, for, no. I so on that token, uh, I don't. I just I can't. I don't. I don't get it. Their their plan at the moment is that they've split the event over two days. So I think they're going to do the 10k and the half marathon on the Saturday, yeah. and then do the marathon on the Sunday. But that's still. I, I still don't get how early November, assuming we get to everyone, you know, if, if the way it works is according to the roadmap, as far as I understand it, once we get to 80 percent of everyone being double vaccinated, yeah. then. For events where everyone is double vaccinated, you will be allowed to have up to 500 people outside. That's going to be early November. Mm. So a month later, we need to somehow go from everyone being vaccinated and us somehow proving that and it being 500 people to us trusting that everyone turning up to a marathon event where there's 8,000 people are double vaccinated and everything's fine. It just, Mm. it seems too big a leap. And I got to tell you, as long as the government keeps pissing off road workers and construction workers, they're not going to be able to set it up anyway. Yeah. So other people who want it to happen but don't believe it's going to happen, uh, there's been a couple of protests here in Melbourne over the oh, last man. couple of days. Um, what's your opinion on that, Andrew? I know uh, you have a, a community spirit about people doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, look, I think, first of all, I feel that I think a lot of the protesters, quote unquote, were probably dummy protesters as in i don't know that a lot of them were actually in the construction industry i think they were just they just kind of made themselves look that way well, that's, that's what the construction industry is saying it wasn't us it wasn't us yeah it was, it exactly was and we were fine i feel like that there's some truth to that that being said of course there's exceptions to any truth any rule i think look and i, I was saying this today you have a right to protest in normal times but the problem with protesting during a pandemic is it doesn't help it doesn't help at all it makes the problem that you're protesting worse and as soon as you stop protesting and you start doing things like injuring people or you know uh throwing things at moving vehicles that have nothing to do with the thing that you're protesting that's when it steps from protest to criminal act and I have no tolerance for that. I am all for freedom of speech and the freedom of protest. But, like, you keep doing this with what end game in mind? Like, what do you think this protest is going to do other than keep us here longer? It's, I don't, I feel like it's not great. And do you know what? Just, okay. <laughs> here he goes. Buckle in, folks. So, Okay. So, and I don't mean to offend anybody in the construction industry, but here's the deal, kids. The government said, you need to do this by this date. People got pissed off. But you know what the thing is? The government's also been saying to do? Get vaccinated. And it's not like this is a new thing. It's not like this has been sprung on you. They've been saying to get vaccinated as soon as any vaccination was ready. So if you haven't done it, and this is now your deadline... That's not the government's fault. Like, you've been ignoring the thing, and now you've got a deadline here. It's like, you know the assignment's coming up. Don't wait till the night before to cram and put the thing together and think that you're going to get a good grade in that uni assignment, right? Like, you've had so much time to do this. It's your own fault. And what you're doing now doesn't help. Like, yeah. what do you want? 
What I, I think, do you actually want? What people would push back on that would say, well, there has been problems with the vaccine supply. So sure. it has been hard to get it. But that has been tr- I'd say that was absolutely true six weeks ago. Absolutely. Yep. Where we are today, 70% of the population plus has had one dose. Right. And we're creeping in on 50% of the population having had two doses. Right. And do you so know, if, like, if you're I, one I, of those people who haven't managed to go and get it the first time, then that's kind of on that's you. That's on you. Like, yeah. it's, I, I've gotten, and I tell you, I, I got my first dose finally a couple weeks oh, ago. Good. Very excited. And I went to go make my appointment for my second one. And now they only let me see. Uh, um, six weeks away at that very early. So I have my mm. next vaccine on the 28th of October. But there was no shortage of appointments. Mm. And if you can't find one at the thing that's the most convenient for you, travel outside of your 10-kilometer thing and get the fucking thing because you can, pardon my French, it's not French, I know, but you, you, can, you can do that to get the vaccination. Like, I looked at October 28th, and the place that I looked at there was an appointment every five minutes, and when mm. I went to go get my appointment, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think part of me was expecting to walk in and be just chakas full of people. Yeah, no. There was like 10 people there, and it was like so laid back. So, yes, six weeks ago, I believe that you couldn't get a vaccination, mm. and I, I totally get that there are people that didn't want the AstraZeneca. I was deemed by my GP, look. Because I had I, I have a history of pericarditis, which they actually ask you, which I've never been asked before. So mm. it was very random that they said, do you have a history of peri or myocarditis? I was like, well, yeah. Um, so my GP said, don't get AstraZeneca because you're going to die. That's not what they said. That's not what they said. Right. But they just said, don't get AstraZeneca. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's dramatic. Yeah, they, they didn't say that. But they did say, don't get AstraZeneca. So I get it. I get it. But now you can get Pfizer and it's kind of not hard to book in an appointment so like yeah man yeah so to those that push back on what I said before I call your shenanigans Um, Mm. so just do the thing I mean the chief health officer is now saying it's you know if you are delaying or couldn't be bothered getting it before now you need to realize that you are about to be left on the station when the rest of the train leaves because pretty soon in the next two months or so it's going to become the haves and the haves nots the double vaccinated and the nots that we we actually do have a bit of a two-speed society creeping up on us here Mm. Um, and it's going to be really really interesting to see how things like bring it back to running and fitness how do running event organizers now take on the responsibility of ensuring that everyone that attends their event is double vaccinated. Well, they're going to you know, have to bring in that that vaccination pass because they've already talked about that vaccination passport for people who want to do. And um, I guess I don't know what events that the government was talking about, but I would assume <laughs> races come under that. But if you want to do any kind of social event or anything, you have to have this thing. And do I think that's kind of a bit of a big brother kind of thing sure but you know what it's kind of like this is the world we live in right now and this is just it's does it excuse anything no but what 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 is the answer you know i i, I spoke to somebody the other day who her, who one of one of his grandparents is is dying and doesn't have very much longer left on this earth and he can't get to he he hasn't been able to get to visit his grandparent that's dying because of this thing and i said to him i was like this is this is what i would say to all the people who keep doing the wrong thing who keep putting off the vaccination who keep do it's like forget about the businesses if you because you obviously don't care about them forget about protecting your fellow man because you obviously don't care about them and woman think about the people that can't actually now see their loved ones for the freaking last time because y'all won't do the right thing so is it the best that we have to live in this world where we have to we have to flash our big brother passport (laughs) no but it is what it is and you know what eventually hopefully it won't be that way like they're finding new studies now that the booster shot may not be necessary so like if Mm. we get enough herd immunity and enough herd vaccination of this thing maybe we'll come out into some kind of normalcy in the next few years. I don't know. 
I say the same thing to you that I say to every conspiracy theorist. Um, you're giving the government too much credit, thinking they could put a Big Brother situation in. Well, I, I they're, mean, they're I, not going to be able to track all no, this sort and, of stuff. No, you know, and I don't, I don't kind of mean it that way. I just mean like, yes, we have to flash this thing. It's kind of like that. Like, no, because I've said before, the government doesn't care. That I mean, they don't care that much. About, like, they're not injecting you with a microchip. Because they don't give a sh they don't care about mm. you in that kind of way. And guess what? They already can track you without a microchip because yeah. they have your tax file number. They have your social security number. They have your address. They have your tax records. They don't need a microchip. Mm. You could be yeah. found. It's not like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm really worried about... Um, because the government is not going to put a person at every single one of these events yeah. to say, hey, show me your vaccination passport, show me your double vaccinated, hey, count the number of people, 498, 499, 500, yeah. sorry, you need to turn away. They're going to put it on the organizers of these events, the organizers of volunteer organizations, yeah. your park runs, your exactly. scout camps, your racing events. And so what happens if... You know that if that event turns a blind eye to people's vaccination statuses, and then something breaks out there, the whole thing is going to collapse. But it's depending on people doing the right thing, right. and it's putting a lot of pressure on race organizations. It really is. It's like to do it. It's it's kind of, and I do feel I feel that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, what if somebody shows up to say park run? Mm. I'm not so much worried about Windhamville park run because Andy won't have it and Maria will not have it. But like they show up to a park run event that has kind of like a passive run director or event mm. director who just doesn't like confrontation. And yep. the person that doesn't have their passport does like confrontation. It's like, all right, well, because you can it? see those people. You walk to the shops today, and there's someone walking around the supermarket without a mask, and, and you know they're daring you to say something. Exactly, they're daring I, you to say something. I get it that some people have an exception, but I dare say that most of the people that we see walking around yeah. don't. Um, and it's like that's a that's a tough responsibility, and it's kind of like an unfair responsibility to put on a non-official. Like it, it's hmm. it's the same kind of thing. In, in 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 gyms right like jets for example yeah the 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 jets in uh, where i go they have a sign on the door that says do not let non-members in it's like well if i if this guy knocks on the door and i open it to see what like what what am i supposed to be like oh the guy forgot his card or don't answer yeah. the door and then all of a sudden i got this pissed off guy outside who's not going to be happy with me when i leave because i didn't answer the door like if you don't yeah. want non-members in your gym you should be there telling them no. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get into a confrontation. Like, I'm not on your payroll, dude. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's 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 going to make it really, really tough. And so it's going to be very interesting to see. I think events like like little trail races, like my 105-kilometer race in the U-Yanks, that will be under 500 people. Yeah. You know, Brett will do good stuff to make sure that everyone's socially distanced and waves and all that. So I've got no problem with events like that. I don't think we've got many, if any, park runs in Australia that get above a couple of hundred. So I think they'll be okay. Yeah. But the bigger events like, you know, you run Melbourne, your run tough. for the kids, your yeah. Melbourne marathons. What's your Spartan events like most likely? I mean, they'd be pretty big in some cases. Yeah, Spartans are very uh, popular. Yeah, I mean, probably I'd say in the festival area, there's probably a fair few, maybe, I don't know. Four or five hundred people at any given time in the festival area, and okay. then whoever's on the course. Um, yeah. So it's not like you know, it's not huge, but it's not a small event. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, it's also like like what we talked about a few weeks ago. It's like these volunteers aren't kind of there to police it, and no. they generally don't. Like, I'm sure it's changed now with restrictions and everything. But you know, a couple of years ago, I'd be like, hey. Uh, my wave was supposed to be at like 7.15. Can I do it later? Do I have to sign mm. anything? Nah, don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Do you need my uh, consent form and everything? Nah, don't worry about it. Okay. I'll, yep. All right. See you at the finish. <laughs> you know, yep. like, they don't, now. like they're not there <laughs> to do anything but give you your stuff, yeah. you know? And but if they let you do that now and then suddenly you bring COVID in, then all of a sudden they're liable. Exactly. Yeah. And is that is that mm. fair to them? Uh, hey. Getting back to the protests, in your opinion, what do you think was, because I'd say universally people are pretty anti-protests. Like, mm. you know, most people are against the protests that have been happening the last couple of days. Yeah. What do you think was 
the worst thing they did over the last couple of days that really turned society against them? Was it marching across the Westgate Bridge, which is the major way to get from the west side of the city to the east side of the city and blocking that for a couple of hours? Was it uh, going to the Shrine of Remembrance, the place that we recognise those who fought for us for the wars? Or was it the bloke who just flat out kicked a dog in the street Outside that, the front yeah. of the union office, I think I think it was definitely the guy that kicked a dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's I real. Do too. That's real messed up. I mean, that I mean, how dare you, dude? Like, what the? F- and you know, as someone who used to work in the city that had sit in traffic because of protests, I think any time that a protest screws with people that aren't involved and have nothing to do with it, it's kind of mm. like, come on. But then when you bring a dog into it, the dog was doing nothing. Man alive, if I had seen that, I would have broken that guy's face. Mm. I don't know how big he was. He was a construction worker. I probably would have tried. It was pretty big. It was a big dog and it was a pretty big bloke. But yeah, yeah I, I think not that's probably, I, I agree with you. I think that's the thing that probably turned the most people off the protest. Yeah. They're like, oh, I can kind of see their point. Wait, he kicked a dog? No, I'm no, out. Can't no, see their point. We're gone. And that's what I mean. Like as soon as, as soon as it becomes that and it turns from protest to criminal activity to uh, you know, to abuse, it's like you've gotten now no legitimacy and yeah. you've lost any kind of respect that I may or may not have had for you. Mm. Quote and unquote may not. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the one thing that pushed um, COVID off the headlines for us today, and this is, you know, within the same day that it happened and we finally got a relief from the protests and everything, earthquake, baby. Dude, I've never felt an earthquake before. That was very interesting it was wild it was like okay not to get not to get uh give away too much information and this isn't a dirty story but aaron and i were just we were laying in bed and all of a sudden all of a sudden the bed starts shaking and Mm -hmm. she's just like did we do that and then i'm like i don't think so Um, (laughs) because we're just like sitting there and then all of a sudden the the door gym on my door the handle started moving and Aaron's like, I think I've got vertigo. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, everything's shaking and the bed's shaking and that's going. And I was just like, I, I got on Facebook right away. I was like, was that an earthquake? Because it was really weird. Yeah. Cal slept it, through the whole thing. Did he? <laughs> he just didn't move. <laughs> He's the best. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was significant. So I was on a call and I was doing a bit of a, an update talking about some stuff at work because it was at about... 10 past 9, 20 past 9 in the morning. Mm. And so I was on a work call talking about something and I was talking away, talking away, talking away. And then I felt my legs start to shake. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, am I nervous? Like, what am I talking about? No, I know what I'm talking about. They're laughing at my jokes. This is fine. I think this is okay. And then I'm like, no, this isn't me being nervous and having too much adrenaline through my legs as I give this presentation. Something's going on. And I'm like, is it wind? And then as I'm thinking that, someone on the call was like, is there an earthquake going on? And like, the light behind me was swinging and then my family came running out to sort of go, hey, what mm. the heck was that? And it was it was bizarre. Um, I was like, France has definitely bombed us. And it was a long way from us. It, yeah, was, it was in 180 Chile? kilometers away. Oh, no, not Chile. Chile there was, was a whole different Yeah, but country. there was something else in Chile. Was there? Yeah. And okay. I, I think we both thought that that was that. And I was like, wow, they must yeah. have really felt it in Chile, but obviously not. No. Yeah. Uh, where did it originate? Mansfield. Oh, right. Of yeah, course. yeah, near the Alpine area. I did hear and that. And so yeah, yeah. apparently it was pretty massive, and they're saying like nearly six on the Richter scale. Yeah, why well, um, not like anywhere between 5.8, 6.4, so I don't know. Yeah, which people who come from New Zealand were like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I had a chat to Omar, and he's like, yeah, where I come from, we used to be like walking along the street, and the street would be rolling yeah, as wow. we're walking along. Um, so I'm sure, yeah, it's obviously not the biggest I mean, yeah. um, earthquake ever, but I it mean, was damn interesting yeah it was interesting like in hindsight nothing nothing even fell off mm-hmm. um i saw a picture somebody had like a flower vase or something knocked <laughs> over and it, the caption was we will rebuild <laughs> yes. um but nothing like none of my nothing fell over nothing happened it was just a weird rumble i, I actually for a minute i was like did an asteroid hit the earth mm. like what but it was wild it was it, it was, was just kind of like for me today the perfect start to a perfect day yeah yeah, because you've had an interesting day today, haven't you? Mm-hmm. So um, let me set the scene for the listeners and then you take over. So you let me know uh, about a week or so ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, you picked up a new job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to talk about your new job because I want to understand how your new job was playing into your training because it was uh, a much more physical job than you had been doing. Yeah. 
but you ain't doing that job at the moment, are you? No. So I got called this morning and it was my manager. He said, look, uh, so for those of you playing at home, I took a job delivering groceries with Coles, which is very, very physical. Yes. And we will get into that. But he said, uh, Coles Hoppers Crossing is a tier one site as of the 18th. Uh, one of our workers tested positive after being, um, you know, after being told by one of his friends that his friends had symptoms, he should get tested, blah, blah, blah. So basically, I've been now at a tier one site, which means I have to get tested, which I did this morning. And then even if that comes back negative, I have to go get a test again in 13 yeah. days. And I can't go back to work until at minimum the 3rd of October. You're in quarantine. I'm in you? quarantine. I can't go anywhere. So I've already, uh, today, <laughs> I, I ordered about $200 worth of groceries to have Coles? delivered to me. Coles, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, screw Coles, man. I'm going to Woolworths. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's happening. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer too because I was like, like I was really getting into the groove. I'm really enjoying this job. Um, like yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm casual, so the money's great. Like, uh, and there's plenty of hours to go around. And it is. It's very physical. But it's a lot of fun. I get to drive a big Coles truck and stuff. Very nice. Um, so, so we've been talking a lot about the lockdown restrictions, but mm. quarantine for people who have had to go through quarantine is another level on top of that, isn't it? Yes. What are you allowed to do? Nothing. So I got to stay <laughs> inside my house at all times. And um, with unless like, there's a medical emergency. Unless there's a medical like emergency. Yeah. I'm in my house. I'm not outside at all. I'm on the treadmill. I'm not... I can go get my, I, I think, I guess I can go get my mail, um, yeah. but that's it. Uh, no one can come to your door, can no they? No one can like come to my door. Matter of fact, I, I have the special instructions on my Coles delivery. I'm in isolation. I've been ordered to quarantine. Do not knock. Do not ring the doorbell. Just leave the uh, the groceries, uh, which of course had nothing to do with the fact that I had them deliver between 6 and 9 a.m., which I'll still yep. be sleeping because I've been working nights. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm inside for the next... Whether or not my my test comes back negative or not, I am yep. inside for the next thirteen days. So you're you're not you're not able to go run outside. You're only on the treadmill now. You're only with your weights and big concrete tire in the backyard. Yeah. You're basically just stuck there. Right. Um, yeah, and it's it's just it's just, it sucks. Like normally I would be like, yeah, man, I get to stay home for two weeks. That's what I've been doing for the last like two years. I've been home. Yeah. But now that I've had this awesome, like, this is a great, I am so much having fun. Like, I love the people that I work with. We're having a good time. Like, there's this one dude, he's just like, he, he's my manager, actually. He's just yeah. freaking funny. And he just, he's got so much, like, hate in him, but it's great. Um, like, he doesn't have hate in him, but he's just he just says funny stuff. Uh, this other guy, Simon, that I work with, um, he's another driver. He's like this big dude. Like, mm. when you think of big, like, kind of manual dudes this guy's that but he's just like yeah. the nicest dude uh and it is a great job like it is so much more physical than i thought it would have been because of most let's say i do i generally do about 25 to 30 deliveries a day which takes anywhere from seven to eight hours uh and it's just all like there are cartons and cartons and cartons and cartons in this truck probably i'd say there three deliveries There'd be at least 250 cartons in the truck for the 30 deliveries. So, cause How much do you think you're lifting? A lot. Like, there are some... Because you got to imagine some cartons have nothing but milk. Some yep. cartons have rice. Some cartons have produce, so it's not... But, mm -hmm. like, it's a lot of back-intensive stuff. And, yep. I mean, it's, it's very, very physically demanding. And it's great uh, because it does build strength in a different way. I'm yeah. really feeling my core work, especially at the end of the night when I'm tired and I'm unloading the truck and I'm getting everything. It's like I really feel my lower back in a good way. Um, so it's really working those stabilizer muscles and the smaller stuff. And it's a lot of obviously walking around. So it's like I'm in the truck for usually each delivery. There's a lot of times where the deliveries are like a couple hundred meters away. So it's not a lot of truck time. Sometimes you'll have like a five or ten minute drive, which is nice because um, mm -hmm. it's like – a little bit of a break but it's tough it's like it's funny because i've actually lost I've, I've lost like three kilos that was going to be my question like what in terms of with this because you know you've been physically active yeah forever but you're now doing a physical active day job mm. how's your nutrition on the go 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 all the time and how well, are you training before or after so the, day? the good thing about my nutrition is the truck is refrigerated so i just bring my <laughs> my nutrition yes. with me and like i 
cook up a big thing of kangaroo mince and rice, and I just put it in a, and I put it in the truck until I'm ready for it. So I've been eating pretty much the same amount of calories, but obviously I'm burning a lot more throughout yeah. the day. I have to stay a lot more hydrated. Cool thing is, the, the interesting thing about losing the weight is, all right, I've I've lost a couple kilos. I now see now where I'm at with my fitness. It's interesting to know that it's kind of not hard to lose a couple kilos and get that kind of. I'm I'm seeing my abs really poke out again. Yeah. Um. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. So when it's time and I really do want to do it, it's not going to take much. It's not like I have yeah, to it's good. hardcore diet for like six weeks because I'm I'm generally always eating pretty clean. So you're not falling into the trucky habit of, you know, going to past 7-Eleven, getting a pie, no, getting I, a Slurpee. I, I, I stop at the, the BP. There's two BPs that I stop at probably three times on every shift to A, use the toilet, the restroom, because mm. um, I drink a lot of water, and to B buy more water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or get like a Powerade or something because electrolytes, uh, Powerade, no sugar. Yay. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been good. And, and in terms of training, um, nine times out of 10, because normally what I would do is run yep. and few hours later I would then do my lifting, but now I don't, I, I'm not doing that because I start work at one o'clock and I end at maybe nine or nine thirty, depending. So I'm generally doing the run and an hour later, getting my workout in so I don't have to worry about it at the end of the night. If I don't get it in, I've been like, if I really want to take a, an extended rest time, I'll wait till I have a day like shoulders or something where mm -hmm. it's just, it's not as long as an, an intensive as say chest and biceps or back and mm -hmm. triceps. And I'll, I'll come home at like 9 30, 10 o'clock. I'll pound something out and I'll just chill out. And I'm, yeah. and I'm still in bed by like 11, 11 30. Like I don't stay up too late because especially now that I'm really, really working hard, it's like recovery is, I've got to recover. Um, yeah. I'm still, I'm still making them gains though, bro. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it, it is very different because like I sit at the desk all day. And so when I get off at the end of the day to go do something, I'm sort of dealing with, oh, I'm stiff. Yeah. I'm sore. Everything's tight because I haven't been stretching and flexing and I've been immobile. You're kind of the opposite where you're getting home and you're loose. I'm like warming up. I mean, but you're my, exhausted. Yeah. My back might be a little bit tight and a little bit yeah. sore because of a lot of, but I'm, I'm generally like, I'm, I'm, I'm raring, you know, like, and it's fun. Cause I'll make like a game out of it too. Like mm. to keep the time going. Like if I have say more than one trolley's worth of groceries to deliver in one house, I'll like run up, do it as fast as I can because you got to place the groceries yeah. on the thing. And I, I tend to do it very nicely. Like I, I, yeah. I like to make sure that it looks nice. Their invoice slip, I like to put it in the bag nicely because I've seen some people deliver to me and the bags all look like shit. The, the invoice <laughs> is crumpled up. I'm like, you know what? Presentation, folks. Yeah. So I'll, but I'll do it as fast as I can. Then I'll run back to the truck, load up as fast as I can, then run back with the thing, and I'll make it like a little relay race. Yeah. Um. So it makes it interesting and it keep gets my heart rate up even for a couple minutes. Um. But it's fun. So I, I keep saying to the guy, I'm like, dude, just make sure I have hours when I come back. Yeah. I was really looking forward to working on Friday because it was going to work out to like 70 bucks an hour. Yeah. And so what are they going to do now? Because I imagine a bunch of people were there at the tier one site. Well, uh, they have, I think there's at least one driver who wasn't because he starts mm -hmm. at 130. So it sucks because the, 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 the time that I was there, it was a site between 12 and 115. I started at <sighs> one o'clock. Oh. I was there for like 15 minutes. Um, so they have, I think, at least one guy. He starts at 1.30. And then they have what's called a 3PL, which is basically uh, an outside contractor company. So if you ever order on Coles and you see the option to have it delivered by a um, – uh, what's the what's the words that they use? It's not contractor, but it's like outside Coles delivery. Mm -hmm. Coles truck. They leave from the Coles store, but it's just somebody that's not directly employed by Coles. Right. So they'll have those kind of people. I yeah. uh, do it, but they hate them because they always do it wrong. They're not good. <laughs> yeah. um, like the, the the truck came back the other day. I was meant to leave at one thirty. The truck came back like at three thirty, so I left like two mm. hours late. I still, I still got back a half hour early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, You're good. Yeah, I'm That's very how you good. Become management, baby. Uh, I tell you what, man. <laughs> I'm really like I really like this job, and I, I, the, my biggest fear right now is that I won't have hours to come back to. I'm hoping I yeah. will. Because I've been mm. making friends with my manager, um, yep. and like he's generally a cool dude, so I'm like, if he doesn't give me hours, I'll just heckle him to death. Um, right, whatever that's, that means. That's the way it normally works. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, tips it's, the business from Andrew. Indeed, heckle <laughs> heckle people to death. But yeah, it's oh. it's a really good 
I, I feel like it's interesting. It's an interesting, different type of training. I think it'll probably because my hands, dude, like just lifting yeah, those crates. Grip strengths. Yeah, it's really like. I think yeah. it's going to be a different kind of beast when I do this. So, what are you going to do for the next two weeks now that you're kind of in isolation? Are you going to change anything up? Complete or? opposite and just mm. do nothing but video games. I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, <laughs> I you know I don't know. I feel like I really don't know. I mean. I, I do have Assassin's Creed Valhalla Rising now. Aaron got mm -hmm. me that for um, uh, for my birthday, and I can really kind of get stuck into that. But I don't know, man. I feel like I'm it's just going to be like I'll get up, do my run, mm. do my workout. Maybe I'll spread it out a little bit further. Excuse me, a little bit further yeah. so that I have something to look forward to during the day because I don't know, man. I yeah. Just, I, I've been home for that long before. But now that I'm kind of forced to be, yep. it's yeah. like it's different when you choose to be and you just find stuff to do. But when you're forced to be, it's like you can't do that same old stuff because now it's like that like, whole conversation we had about the curfew coming in, which is I never go out after 9 p.m. But the fact that, you, that I now can't is a big problem to. with me. Yeah. Yes. Like so, I've never gone to Kohl's past like eight o'clock really yeah. ever like grocery shopping. But now that I can't, I'm like, well, it's 930 and I want yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's for you. It's just going to be. Have you thought about doing an ultra marathon in your backyard? Just cutting laps. Isn't that a bad idea? Maybe I yeah. should. <laughs> yeah, just tie yourself to a rope and just run circles. You and Cal just going around and around and around. Why like, am I know, tying myself to a rope? So that you can run in circles properly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So actually, okay. Yeah, that's cool. I, I feel know. like I'll get really dizzy. You got uh, two weeks to figure it out. Yeah, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll, you know. Maybe it's time to do another Starlight run. Maybe I'll do like a, oh, you know, yeah. for every dollar that is donated, I'll run, every $5 just not donated, I'll run a kilometer in my backyard. Yeah, something like that over that'd the be, course of the lockdown. Yeah, that'd be nuts. Yeah. That's a great idea. Good call. I'm going to write that down. Done. Get a down? pen. Let me look at our list. What else were we going to talk about? We talked about the races being changed. So Spartan and Melbourne Marathon and the U Yanks 105. We talked about your physical job and the training impacts. We talked about COVID and earthquakes and lockdown protests. Um, the only other thing for me is that I've, I've um, decided to align my training for December with the running festival for the Yu Yangs and the Melbourne Marathon. I'm, I'm back doing that Sydney to Melbourne virtual ultra again. Right. thousand kilometers in a hundred day race. Are you going to try to beat your time? No, last year I did it in 73 days, um, and that was pretty good. I don't think I want to go much faster than that because I don't want to peak too early before the event because the, the race runs up till Christmas Eve. Sure. So if I'm trying to beat my event, then I'd be trying to beat it around about Melbourne Marathon or Yu Yangs. I mean, the other thing I could try and do is I could try and finish the 1,000 kilometres at Melbourne Marathon. So I actually finish the event on the MCG. Uh, and I tick off the Melbourne Marathon, and I tick off the, the thousand kilometer cool. virtual as That'd well. Cool. Might, that's that's kind of that. a great idea, actually. I like yeah, that. that would then that would mean I would need to be I'd need to do it in eighty eight days, which last year I did it in seventy three. So that right. feels doable, even being a little bit unfit right now. Yeah, well, it gives you an extra two weeks. I feel like I could kind of do that, but it's just insane. Like we are a week into this event, I think it is, um, and the leaders, these people are insane. Like, you know, there's this people already like 400 kilometers in right. after it's just, it's just incredible. It's like when we talk about um, different athletes and, you know, what's important to different people, like there's a bloke who's done 514 kilometers in two weeks and we've no, no, in one week. Wait, what? Really? We've been going for a week. How the hell does somebody do 500 things? In He's done 514 kilometers in one week. And that's then there's a, a person's done 570, uh, 276. That's 80 a, kilometers a day. One, two, three, four, five. Six. There's six people who are over 200 kilometers already. Who the hell's running um, 80 kilometers in a day? Uh, his name is Tortoises. That doesn't so make any goddamn sense. Tortoises has done 514 kilometers. Tortoises, in, as in turtles? As in plural of tortoise. 80 kilometers a day? He's done five, according to this. So it started on, let me check my notes. And he's not today's, No, today is the 22nd of uh, September, and we started on the 15th of December. So that is eight days. So he's done uh, 514 kilometers in eight days. That's like, that's nuts. What's his, does it say, does it say his, uh, 
No, it doesn't have a breakdown of. Can, can um, you his, see any of his runs and see what his uh, average time is? No, in? it's just it's just honesty system. Um, you know, trust the person. He's actually slow. Last year, someone was at like eight hundred kilometers. Some guy went out and did hundred kilometers a day and knocked off the whole event um, in like a week and a half uh, last year. So this guy is actually a little bit behind, to be honest. Who the but, hell is doing that? Well, someone who's obviously, I'd assume, regional, um, so that they can run more than four hours and can also run more than 10 kilometers but yeah it's it's pretty impressive i mean that's yeah. nuts that's um, nuts yeah so there's uh there's about 206 people doing this event in total um and so i'm currently i've done 90 k's in eight days well, you're so slacking, i'm sitting, aren't you? well i feel like it absolutely <laughs> um so you know i'm gonna go out and do a bit more i think this is how we spoke about it um i think there's, there's two types of virtual runs out there there's the virtual run, which is everyone go do a virtual 5K. Please give us $35 and I'll send you a medal. And I'm like, I can just go run 5Ks by myself. I don't Make need to give you medal. $35. Yeah. yeah. But this one where it's like over this period of time, try and get this distance done. So like the bright 100Ks in 10 days or this one, which is 1,000 kilometers in 10 days, and that's where it starts to become a little addictive yeah. where you start measuring yourself against other people and you're looking at it going, well, it's so interesting. Who's uh, three kilometers ahead of me. I'm coming for you. You're uh, you're 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 sinking to the to the Strava level now, man. It is a little bit like Strava light, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a select group of people. I did think about getting back on Strava just for this, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because I know I have an addictive personality. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit like that. That whole competition thing kicking in. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting. Are you still friends with Daryl? Oh, yeah, well, Daryl's injured at the moment. Oh, so- bummer. Yeah, so Daryl had a pretty bad um, patella tendon problem. Uh, so he's out for the next couple of months, to be honest. Yeah. Um, he's bike riding like a maniac, yeah. but he can't ride. Oh, sorry, he, he can ride, but he can't. Re- he can't definitely can't run, and he can only do sort of limited walking. Interesting. So he's getting. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. He's getting this platelet therapy, which is what they gave um, Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, where they take blood out of you and they spin it to agitate it and get it revved up and then they inject it back in. And the whole theory is that it's got more energy in it and so it helps the healing process and everything. That's so cool. he's getting he's getting like, you know, treatment that they give multi-million dollar basketball players, That's which I'm awesome. a bit jealous of. Yeah. Is he rich? Do we not know that he's rich? And we're in Australia, Medicare. This isn't America where that sort of thing would cost you $50,000. You point. know, the government will pay for you to get this. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. So it's, it's. I think hopefully if we can get to a point where we can start to catch up a little bit more in person, we'll be able yeah. to get some of the gang together. The second you're able to come out for a run after quarantine, we'll have to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and if yeah. Kel needs a walk um, over the next couple of day, weeks, let me know. I can always pop around and introduce myself. And yeah, because you haven't him met for a him, spin. have you? Still haven't met Kel. No, yeah. I've seen lots of photos, but still haven't met him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I can always, if you, if you need something like that, let me know. Yeah. Right on, man. I'm in. Mm. And in terms of food. Have you got enough generation you can to get you by? Funnily enough, yes. Uh, I yeah. still have because, <laughs> because I was supposed to take those boxes to a convention. Yep. At the conventions of a can. I have a big, big container <laughs> you can bar. As a matter of fact, uh, I've been talking with generation you can to because <clears throat> they're thinking about possibly actually putting me on the payroll. Yep. Um, which would be great. Uh, but yeah, so yes. Um, it didn't go over my head. I know that that was a great segment uh, segue into our our sponsor. Oh, you make it about you. That's fine. I, I will. Yeah. I will, as I always do. Um, for ten percent off of Andrew. So, <laughs> so for those of you listening to the podcast who are new to the podcast, and those of you who are listening to the podcast who are not new to the podcast, Generation You Can is our long term sponsor, and Generation, of course, is that patented super starch formula that helps utilize your body's fat as fuel to keep you going for longer and harder distances. They utilize this super starch, which helps you to go further and faster than you ever thought possible because your body, of course, scientifically, has more fat stores to burn than it does carbohydrate stores. So when you tap into that, it helps you avoid hitting the wall, that bonking feeling in the middle of a long run. Of course, they now have the You Can Edge, which is a sports gel. They have the bars, they have powders, they have electrolyte drinks. And for an extra 15% off, all you have to do is visit generationyoucan.com.au and use the coupon code Breaking the Barrier for 15% off your first order. Generation You Can. There's sugar and then there's science. 
Nice. And right now, it sounds like half their stock would be getting shipped from your kitchen table because you've got it all sitting there for conventions that never went ahead. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So I've got, I think I've got like six or eight boxes. Um, and I, 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 I keep looking at them and I'm just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know I should do the right thing and not eat them. I held myself accountable the other day and I messaged uh, you can and I was like look I still have these boxes what do you want me to do with them because um, if I tell them and they know I still have them then I won't eat them and steal them yeah because that's exactly wrong. if someone's watching you won't do a bad thing that's right. how society works which yes. is important for people to know because they actually do taste great uh, chocolate yeah. peanut butter is my absolute oh, favorite yeah. I haven't yet tried You Can Edge, the uh, gel, but uh, my friends over at Marathon Training Academy say that they're pretty good because that uh, Generation You Can, of course, sponsors them as well. Excellent. But listen to their podcast for their own thing. I'm not going to give you their coupon code. You use yeah, mine. We're not selling Generation You Can and them. Get yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the mm. other. All right. Anything else we wanted to talk about? No, man. I think uh, I think that that's about it. Uh, there was yeah. a lot in there, folks. There was a yeah. lot in there. We've, we've been going for a little while, just over an hour. Hopefully you were inspired, you were offended in equal parts. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Let us know what worked, or if you hate us now, just don't ever come back. That's right. fine. If you, if you hate <laughs> us, we are called the Running Public yeah. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go talk to them. Yeah, All right. exactly. Take us away, man. All right, man. Listen, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this Breaking the Barrier podcast where we hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.